Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. past three weeks, we've been unpacking some of our team. Um, just this idea of how to have a vision for here and now, how to have faith for here and now. Kind of the idea that we've been exploring is that so many people live distracted in their life by there and then that we miss out on here and now. And we think that God's plan, God's purpose is somewhere in an abstract future, but really the notion that we're challenging is that God's best for your life can be here and now. We, we can live distracted and, and consumed by what God has yet to do, but instead we miss out on what God is doing here and now. The, the challenge is that here and now is the only place you are. And so we've got to take a look at really this, this idea of what God would say. How do I have faith for my here and now? Even if it's not as good as you hoped, here and now it is significant and it matters to God. And so uh, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Ben shared so greatly about worshiping through a tough place. He talked about having a principle in our life, a, a spirit that says, I'm going to worship even through difficulty. Last weekend, Pastor Jake shared about a passage of scripture called the Beatitudes, which was Jesus's sort of declaration on what it means to live kingdom minded. How, do my, how does my life make a difference here and now that, that heaven would congratulate? The, the idea is that we are called not just to uh, get to heaven when we die, but to bring heaven to earth here and now. And so this morning, I want to take us to really an area of our life that I think many of us struggle with. It's a passage of scripture um, that, that I think is confronting to, to a lot of us. Um, and I want to talk to you really just from my heart, this, this title, The Journey Between Ask and Receive. The journey between ask and receive. There is an ancient proverb that has always stuck with me that said, the longest journey you'll take in your life is the 18 inches between your head and your heart. The longest journey isn't one of the places that we will go and the things we will experience, but really it's an internal journey from head to heart. The reason the journey is so long is because how many know the hardest lessons to learn are the ones you already know? Like we can know it up here, but it's really different from knowing it here. Like we can know about Jesus, but that's a very different thing than actually experiencing Jesus and knowing him as our personal Lord and Savior. We can think that trusting God is good in theory, but how many know that's a really hard thing to live out? It's that journey from head to heart, forgiveness, generosity, righteousness, all of these things are uh, their journeys that we have to take to get them, not just from being uh, in our mind, but to get them to be experienced in our heart. And the warning, uh, the challenge where we have to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us today is we don't want to just settle for being informed, but we want to be transformed in our hearts. It's the journey between our head and our heart, the journey between ask and receive. I want to take us to one of those 18-inch journeys here in the scriptures. John chapter 16, Jesus says this, picking up in verse 22. He says, so also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And, and your hearts will rejoice and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. But truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give to you. Until now you have asked for nothing in my name, but ask and you will receive 
that your joy will be made full. That your joy may be full. Week three, the conclusion of this series, I want to help us with this area because really this is a verse that can challenge our theology. It can challenge our thinking around prayer. It can many times get us into trouble because that verse, ask and receive, takes about two seconds to say. But how many know between ask and receive is a lot longer than two seconds? Sometimes the journey between ask and receive is two weeks. Sometimes it's two months. Sometimes it's two years. Sometimes the journey is two decades. And we can read verses like this, and if we're not careful, we can think, God, I've prayed, but it doesn't seem like my prayers are working because it doesn't happen in two seconds. We tend to think of faith in, in language like suddenly and unexpectedly and revival. And, and the challenge really is, is that that is one aspect of faith, but faith, let me remind you, is a journey. Faith is a journey meant to be walked out day by day. It's like Eugene Peterson. He said that faith is a long obedience in the same direction. Let me preface here and say that we are a church that believes in the power of moments. I know for a fact, I've seen God do it, that in a moment he can work a miracle. There is room for revival faith. There is room for two-second faith, but that's only one aspect of faith. And I just want to help us in an area that I think many of us get caught off guard or many of us get into trouble because when things don't happen in two seconds, we get frustrated. We get upset. We wonder, where is God? We question his presence. We question even his power, denying his existence because it doesn't happen in two seconds. Can you imagine, though, for a moment what would happen if there was the case where uh, two every prayer that we asked got answered in two seconds, doesn't that sound good? Like you walked into church this morning and you started praying for that financial breakthrough. And here during this message, your neighbor gives you a soft elbow and says, the Lord just laid it on my heart to Venmo you $10,000. <laughs> Look at your neighbor, say, I'm waiting. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine a prayer where we say, God, I feel stuck in my job. I want to be able to have influence and walk in my purpose. And as you leave this place today, the CEO calls you and says, we've seen your hard work. Now I'm going to give you your dream job. It would be awesome. You imagine you single people praying for a spouse. And as you leave church today, they're standing outside on the patio. There is a godly man saying, how you doing? It would be awesome. Some people are like, I received that today. But it rarely happens this way, doesn't it? It, it rarely is a two-second journey. The journey takes so much longer between two weeks and even two decades. Many times, I love our creative team because the kind of graphic for this series spoke to me the last couple of weeks as I was sitting on the front row because this really is like the journey between ask and receive. There, we think the journey should look like this. That ask, and there's a, that looks pretty good, doesn't it? That would be great, right? That would be like, I'm going to ask for it, and then boom, straight line. God sends it to me. I receive that promise in Jesus' name. But that's not what the journey many times looks like. How many know the journey oftentimes looks like this? A lot of ups and downs. A lot of crazy. I, God, I feel like I'm going backwards. What, what, what do you mean? This doesn't look like what you promised me. I, I've been praying for this. God, are you serious? This can't be what I'm actually walking through. But this many times is what the journey between ask and receive looks like. And this is what I want to deal with today. I want to help us make sense 
of this feeling because between ask and receive, that's where so many feelings of doubt and uncertainty can settle in. So many feelings of frustration, so many feelings of, is God with me? Does God hear me? Does God care for me? And really, I think what's happening is we're saying it's just not the way that I thought it was going to go. Like, God, I've been praying for a healing, but I'm still sick in my body. God, I've been praying for a spouse, but I'm still single. God, God, I've been praying for my marriage, but my husband is still absent. God, I've been praying for a breakthrough, but I still feel like I'm stuck in the same place. God, we've been praying for kids, but we're still battling the journey of infertility. Many of us today are on this journey somewhere between ask and receive. And if we could just even simplify this for a moment, I think this is why we struggle to have faith for here and now. Because here and now isn't the way that we thought it was going to go. And it's struggle to have faith for where God has me here and now. But let me just encourage somebody today. God has orchestrated perfectly your here and now. How do I know this to be the case? Because God is not a God of coincidence or accident. You think you just stumbled in here this morning? You may have come because someone promised you brunch. Let me tell you, there are no accidents to this thing. God knew perfectly that you would be seated where you're seated today in the season of life that you find yourself in. It may not be what you thought, but God is in your here and now. And I want to help you to have faith for here and now. You know, the thing that is interesting to me about this passage of Scripture is it comes from an area that, that is called the upper room discourse. It's a passage of scripture where it's kind of Jesus's fundamental teachings on the Holy Spirit. There's three chapters where Jesus begins to unfold the promise of the Holy Spirit. And, and what's interesting to me is this is Jesus's last words. This is the last sermon he has to his disciples before he would go off to be crucified and buried and raised to new life and ascended to heaven. And these three chapters here in John 14 to 16 are kind of like Jesus's last words for his disciples. This is what I want you to remember after I'm gone. Chapter 14, Jesus says, I'm leaving, but it's better for you if I go because I'm sending you a helper. I'm sending you an advocate. I'm sending you an encourager called the Holy Spirit. And even though I may be gone physically, my presence will be with you. John chapter 15, Jesus says, because of this new helper, because of the Holy Spirit that will live within you, my, our relationship is changing. We're not going to relate to each other as two people relate to each other, but our relationship is going to be like a vine and a branch. And as you stay connected to me, my life will flow through you. Just like it happens with a branch and a tree, so it is that as you remain in me, I will remain in you. Here in John chapter 16, Jesus begins to unfold this, this, what he says is a metaphor around prayer. And he says, prayer is like a woman in labor who goes through pain, but when she receives the promise of that child, she won't even remember the nine months of labor that she had to endure. And he says, though you may grieve, your grief will turn to joy. One day when we get to heaven, the hope of the Christian is that we will not need to ask God for anything. All of our hope will turn into reality. And he says, here and now, with the Holy Spirit within you, 
ask and you will receive. This is the context for what Jesus begins to outline for us, that whatever you ask for in my name, you will receive. This is why we believe in the power of prayer. Let me just tell you today, I think it's worth noting that prayer is significant. We are a church that believes in the power of prayer. Prayer matters. It matters to you. It matters to God. Prayer is powerful, but if we're not careful, see the context of this verse is that prayer happens within a discussion about the Holy Spirit, which is to say prayer is only as powerful as the one we pray to. The reason we pray in the name of Jesus is because there is power in the name of Jesus. That's where our prayers are anchored here today. And the reason this even matters to us is because we can sometimes get caught up in the act of prayer without with actually forgetting the purpose of prayer. We can get so caught up thinking, I got to say the right thing and work out my own miracle. And maybe I got to pray through the book of Psalms. And oh, I need, a, I need to pray like those other people pray because the pastors, they sound so good when they pray. And my goodness, maybe they use King James. So I'm going to try praying in the King James. And thine holiest, I beseech thee. And thou forth, dear, thine service. God's like, hold on, just pause for a minute. We think maybe, maybe I got to say the like grace, 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 grace. Hold on. We get caught up in the act of prayer that we forget the purpose of prayer. You think you, you, you ever met those people that just pray so good? You're like, my goodness, God must hear them because I don't pray like that. You think, oh my goodness, when Pastor Ben gets on stage, it's just it's like, sounds so good in an accent. Does God have an accent? I'll, maybe I should pray in an accent. <laughs> we could get caught up in the act of prayer that we actually forget the power behind the God that we pray to. And this is the reason that prayer matters because it's the power doesn't come from our vocabulary. The power doesn't come from the, the, the style. I'm trying to help somebody that feels awkward, I'm trying to help somebody that feels inadequate in prayer. There is power in you just opening your heart to Jesus. There's power in you just coming to Jesus and saying, God, I'm not really sure how to do this. And I hope you hear me. There's power in that because of the name that we pray to. For the spirit intercedes on our behalf. You know, Romans chapter eight, verse 26. This is a verse that's going to mess up our whole prayer team. Sorry, guys. Romans chapter eight. The Bible says this. He says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness for we do not know how to pray, what to pray for as we ought. Pause. Nobody knows how to pray. Can I encourage you today? You think, oh my goodness, Pastor Jake prays so well. He doesn't even know how to. You think you could pray better than Paul? Paul says, we don't know how to pray as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us with groanings too deep for words. What does he say? When my words are weak, when I don't really know what to say, it's the Spirit that prays through me. God knows your heart. He hears you. Your prayers are powerful. Your prayers work. And the point I'm trying to make is that when we pray, when we ask, when we go to Jesus, it's an open invitation for the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. Prayer is what opens our lives up for the Holy Spirit to work. It's what allows us to become more like Jesus. I believe in prayer, but hear me today. Part, prayer isn't just about changing your circumstance. Prayer is also about changing you. See, prayer is the method that God will use when we open up our lives to him that he starts to form and he starts to work and he starts to shape and mold us into the kind of person that he wants us to be. But this is different because we can think that prayer is just like, maybe I'll say 10 Hail Marys and God will do what I want him to. 
Or, or like, this, isn't, this is not just a book of spells and incantations, okay? I know it's spooky season, but this isn't what prayer is about. Prayer is what opens my life up for God to work. But this is the temptation because when we're talking about ask and receive, many times we will pray for something and without even realizing it, we will give God a script to do the thing that we want him to do. Not only do we ask God for his help, but we will also give him a set of instructions for how we want him to help. We'll pray without even realizing it. We create a script for God. And when it doesn't happen that way or when God doesn't use our script, that's what throws us off course. Offense can set in. Frustration can set in. Confusion. Like, God, this, here and now, this is not what I prayed for. That's your script, not God's. I heard a story not too long ago about, um, from a biography about Charles Darwin, who um, he himself was the man responsible for the introduction of naturalism and evolution introduced to our school curriculum and into the sciences. And uh, I, I was reading this, docu- this, uh, this biography and it, it caught me so off guard because, um, it beca- because of this one man's legacy, it would seem ridiculous to teach in school that there's a creator God that, that created the world in six days. But he wasn't always an atheist. See, the story that, that we know is that he went to the, some islands and started bird watching and observed microevolutionary traits and therefore there must not be a God. That's not how it happened. Charles Darwin was studying at Cambridge to be a pastor. There, as he was studying, he felt God call him to science, but he was always a believer. So he left to study biology and then his youngest daughter, Annie, got sick. At nine years old, she was given only one year left to live unless a miracle took place. And the biography began to outline Charles Darwin's journals. You would have thought you were at a Wednesday night prayer meeting. He says, God, we believe that you're going to heal Annie. God, we believe that you're going to bring her to healing. We know that you're going to work a miracle in her body. We, 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 we don't want what the doctors say. God, we need you to work a miracle. But unfortunately, 10 months later, Annie did die. And that day, Charles Darwin, he wrote in his journal that he would not attend the funeral and that there was no God. In the biography, it said that that day at the death of his daughter, every vestige of belief was in God was shattered. See, what happened wasn't him birdwatching. What happened was the journey between ask and receive. It's the journey that many times we can get so frustrated because we prayed for something and, and it doesn't happen the way that we thought. And if God didn't answer our prayers or his prayers, then God must not exist, which unfortunately is a familiar story to all of us today. We've all been in that place. We've all been on the journey between ask and receive, wondering where is God and things that I believe for didn't happen the way that I thought. I've, I've spoke to more people this last year on the edge of checking out on church or, or, or giving up on God because of this journey between ask and receive. All of us today are somewhere on that journey. And I just want to help us to understand even what God sees about this journey, the reason there is a journey in the first place, because it's an area of our walk with Jesus, our faith journey that can get us into so much trouble. But just hear me today, friend, God has not abandoned you. 
God knows what he's doing. He cares for you. He sees you. He knows exactly what you're going through. He is closer now than he has ever been before. And just because there's a journey doesn't mean there is no God. Just because it's not happening the way that you thought doesn't mean that God's not in it. It may not be what you had signed up for. It may not be your script. But hear me today. God knows exactly what he was doing. So what happens on the journey between ask and receive? Here's the first thing I want you to write down. On the journey, what happens when I ask? What happens when I pray? God prepares us for what he has prepared for us. God prepares us for what he has prepared for us. This is just the way that our God works. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we love this, this half verse because it says we are created, uh, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's where we stop a lot of the time, but listen to this. Which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hear me today, friend. God has prepared a purpose for you to walk in. There is a promise that he has prepared for you. There is a purpose on your life that he has prepared beforehand. The challenge isn't getting your purpose to you. The challenge is getting you to your purpose. God has already prepared it beforehand. The challenge is getting you to walk in it that you should walk in it. The challenge is God is preparing you. There is always a journey before the answer. And when you pray, this is what happens. It's not the thing that God sends into our life, but the journey that he starts to get us ready for the thing that, he, that we asked for. We say, God, I'm praying for this. And that's the moment where God says, okay, journey. And we're looking around wondering where the thing is. And God says, it's a journey to get you ready for the thing that I prepared for you. There's always a journey before the answer. Why is this the case? You know, the Bible calls Jesus many things. He was a savior, a healer, a friend, a counselor. But one of the words the Bible uses to describe Jesus is a teacher. And what do teachers do? They test their students. Why is this the case? Not to spite us but to prepare us. For it is the job of every teacher to develop their students and prepare them for the next journey. This is what God will do because he is a good teacher. And this is where our frustration many times on the journey is so misguided because God's delay doesn't mean his denial. We can get so caught off guard saying, God, I thought this would happen by now. But God's not saying no. He's saying not yet. And God is a good father, which means he will never give you a position or a possession that you will lose because of immaturity. I knew we should have gone to Saddleback today. Pause. I'm trying to help our church today. Because the journey between ask and receive isn't about God's inability. It's about our immaturity that he solves on the journey. See, the journey is God's way of solving the immaturity question in all of us. It's a journey called faith. It's a journey called trust. It's a journey called character. It's a journey called, I still believe God for it, even when my situation doesn't line up with what I see. It's a journey that's trusted where our character is deepened, where our faith is formed. This is why God uses the journey. So if God is saying to you, 
not right now, instead of being disappointed, instead of complaining, how about you just get a little bit of faith for here and now and say, God is preparing me for the thing that he has prepared for me. This is why God uses the journey. It's a journey called maturity. God will bring us on the journey between ask and receive to prepare us. But that's us. Let's talk about God. See, one of the things I've learned about my own journey between ask and receive is that God will prepare us for his will, but he also wants to teach us his way. And you can't have God's will without God's way. I've just learned this to be true. Part of God's will is his way. You know, where we closed last week in our services, uh, we went through the Lord's Prayer, Matthew chapter 6, the way that Jesus instructed us to pray. He says, I pray your kingdom come and your will be done. Jesus taught us to pray for God's will. The thing that strikes me about that passage is because Jesus didn't just pray that as a sermon point, but 20 chapters later, Matthew chapter 26, Jesus, the Bible says, fell to his face in a garden before he would be murdered and prayed, God, it's really hard, but not my will, your will. Jesus himself lived this, that part of aligning with God's will is doing it God's way. Don't for a minute think that where you are doesn't line up with the promise that's on your life. Not for a minute, do you, don't get distracted by thinking that God doesn't know what he's doing. I want to encourage somebody here today. God is more passionate about your purpose than you are. God wants to see his will done in your life more than you do. But God will only have it his way. Why is this the case? Because that's how he gets all the glory. That's how he gets the glory. When we say, God, I'm doing it your way. Part of learning God's will is doing it his way. And this is so important for us to get because God's ways are different than our ways. We think between ask and receive, this is our way. God's way is all kind of because he's trying to lead us on a journey. You know, I saw something this week. It just, it just spoke to me. Maybe you saw it too. It was just a little video on Instagram that said, I asked for strength, but God gave me difficulty to make me strong. I asked for wisdom and God gave me problems to solve. I asked for courage and God gave me dangers to face. I asked for love and God gave me troubled people to help. Here's the part that I love. The video ended by saying this, and my prayers were answered. God's way is different from our way. God, this isn't, the journey looks different than what I thought. God says, I know, but I'm trying to teach you my way. Psalm 22, David said, teach me your way. Show me your path. Because his path is different than ours. I mean, think of the life of Joseph. He's like the, if you're new to church, he's like the hallmark story for this stuff. 17 years old, Joseph, as a young boy, gets a dream where he's promised the whole world will bow down to him can imagine Joseph there as a 17-year-old boy saying, God, I got great things in store for my life. Thank you for choosing me. Ready to be anointed, ready to step into the authority and the influence. Just imagine bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. God would send him the way to prepare him. See, I, I wonder, 
if you were to be second in charge of the world, what would your resume look like? Because the way that God does it is he sent Joseph on a 23-year journey to prepare him. And in those 23 years, he said, this is what I want your resume to say. Uh, I, I need you to be betrayed by the people that are closest to you. And the reason you need to be betrayed by everyone that loves you is because you need to learn how to not give up on people even when they hurt you. So that's the first step. And then once you've been betrayed and backstabbed by everybody, then what I need you to do is be accused of a crime that you didn't commit with no way to defend yourself. Because you need to learn how to be free from the need to be vindicated. And what God begins to tell Joseph, what God begins to even tell Joseph is he says, I need you to learn how to not learn how to defend yourself. And when, when people upset you and when you get accused of something that isn't even true about you, you need to learn how to not post or comment or blog or tweet about that thing. You need to learn how to let God defend you. Could it be the reason that you've never seen God defend you is because you're too busy defending yourself? This is the resume. This is God's way. And then once you've done all that, you're going to be forgotten about in a prison cell. And people are going to make you promises that can't, they, they can't deliver. And I need you to learn this way because you need to learn how to understand that the promises of men don't even compare to the promises of God. And then this is Joseph, this tw two decades between ask and receive. And he says, this is the resume I'm trying to build. This is the way that I'm trying to get you to understand. You know, God, I, I thought I was ready to be a leader. I, re I, I read the John Maxwell, 17 laws of the... I'm ready, God. He says, that's your way. We think God's way is like this. No, 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 that's our way. God's way says faithful, 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 faithful. Why? Because his way is teaching us how to be trustworthy. His way is teaching us how to be trusted with the promise. His way is teaching us that it's not even about the promise anyway. It's about the promise maker and the promise keeper. This is what God will do. It's, it's his way. His way is far more concerned about doing something in you than it is about doing something through you. So what does God do on the journey between ask and receive? He, he prepares us for the thing that he's prepared for us. And on the journey, he's trying to teach us the way that God works, the way that God operates, the mystery and the beauty and the wonder of his will. So part of the journey of teaching us is his way is so that we can be formed into God's will. When we pray, God, let your will be done, do you realize what you're praying? You're opening up your life to say, Holy Spirit, work in me. This journey, take me on the journey to prepare me, help form my character, build my faith, strengthen me. I used to pray many times in between these ask and receive, I used to pray, God, where are you? God, how long is this gonna take? You know, Psalm 13, even David prayed that. How long, O oh Lord? I used to pray, God, why, are you, why, why is this happening to me? Where are you? I mean, 
everything, asking God, questioning God, who, what, when, where, why, how. Can I tell you today, my prayer between ask and receive has changed. And it's a prayer that I wanna lead us on. Because instead of asking God where, when, why, I just simply say, God, prepare me, teach me. See, prayer is, is not just about changing our circumstances, it's about changing us opening up our heart to say, God, grow me, form me, teach me your ways, oh God. See, great prayers don't get answered by complaining, they get answered by preparing. Testimonies, the way a testimony is written is not by complaining what God didn't do, it's written by learning what God was trying to do in you all along. This is how we get the receive, this is how we get the, the answer. So God, prepare me. God, I, I can't see what you're doing here and now. Actually, I thought my here and now was gonna look a lot different from the way that it does. I just, I showed up to church today just needing something because the journey that I've been on, I don't see God's hand in it. I can't make sense of it. Can I just help us today? to open your heart to say, God, what are you trying to teach me? Psalm 26, test me, O Lord, examine my heart and my mind. This is what the journey will do to expose us. But I say all that to say, because there is a promise in the passage of scripture that we read. There is hope, not just to deal with the uncomfortable stuff like prepare me, like help me to grow. There is another promise where Jesus says one day, one day, one day you will need not ask anything from me. Your grief will turn to joy. Can I just tell you today, the promise of every believer in the house today is everything that you ask for will one day come to pass. The question is not if, the question is when. And I'm here to tell you today, it may take two weeks, it may take two months, two years, two decades, it may take the other side of eternity, but every prayer that we pray according to God's will in the name of Jesus, will be answered. You pray for healing today, guess what? It's not a question of if, it's a question of when. Does God want to heal me here on earth or will I receive my healing in heaven? Will I receive my purpose here and now? Or is God bringing me on a journey to get me ready for that one day? Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.